the official podcast of the Chillicothe Paints. This is Horsin' Around. The latest inside information from the Paints and the Prospect League. Now, here's the voice of Paints Baseball, Jacob Wise. And welcome into another episode of Horsin' Around, a Chillicothe Paints baseball podcast. I'm Jacob Wise. Thanks for listening in. It's episode two. Last week, we looked back at the 2019 championship season with then field manager Brian Bigham. And this week, we look forward to the 2021 season with the new field manager, John Penn. We'll talk to John about his enthusiasm for coaching, why he does what he does, and how excited he is to get things going here in the 2021 season, which is now, if you're listening to this podcast on the day that it came out, just a few days away, Thursday, May 27th, opening day against the Lafayette Aviators, 7.05 start at VA Memorial Stadium. Tickets are available. We are allowing fans in the ballpark, so come out and check out the paints as finally they get a chance to try to defend their 2019 championship. Obviously a Thursday, so $1 draft beer for Thirsty Thursday at the game on opening night. Also after the game, our traditional opening night fireworks extravaganza sponsored by 94 Country. Friday, the Paints host Champion City. The first 500 fans will get a magnetic schedule thanks to Maylene Davis and Brewster Real Estate and Auctions, kind of our traditional giveaway there on the second day of the season. Saturday, the Paints renew an old Frontier League rivalry of sorts as they host the new Johnstown Millrats. The first 500 fans to that game on Saturday will get a reusable grocery tote bag courtesy of Printex Same Day Printing. Just took a trip to Printex recently to get my scorebook that I had printed for this upcoming season. I always have them print my scorebook for the uh, radio broadcasts, and they do a fantastic job. Sunday, the Paints will round out their uh, four-day homestand to start the season. It's our first Kids Day of the season, sponsored by Subway. As always on Sundays, all kids 12 and under get free admission to every Sunday home game throughout the season. A little bit of news before we get to our interview with John Penn, and uh, it's been a crazy one here over the last uh, week or so. If you didn't know, Division I Baseball moved back their regular season a week-ish which puts the end of the regular season at the end of May. Well, that causes some issues because the Paints and the Prospect League start a little bit before the end of May, so a lot of players obviously can't make it to their cities, including Chillicothe, to start the season. So what you usually do, it happens every year, is you sign temporary players. It's typically because players are still playing in the postseason. Happens to be this year that they're still playing in the regular season, and many of those players will go on to play in the postseason, which means there's quite a shortage of players to start the season. So temporary contracts are being signed. The league made a temporary uh, kind of rule change that allows teams to sign more temporary players easier, relaxed some of the restrictions. So a lot of teams will have maybe not their full arsenal to go to on opening day. It'll be really interesting to see how that all works out. I know the Paints are going to have five to ten, maybe even more than ten temporary contracts by the time we get to opening day, which with the first half, second half, that helps a little bit. Normally, if you had to have a ton of temporary contracts to start the season, 
Maybe you don't get off to a great start, and then you're buried trying to play catch-up the rest of the year. This year, your record essentially resets halfway through the year, and then you get a second chance, a fresh start, to try to get into the playoffs. So it'll be interesting to see, again, how things shake out with so many temporary contracts across the Prospect League this year. Players for the Paints report on Tuesday. If you're listening to this podcast, the day it came out, that's tomorrow. They'll check in and get their uniforms and their gear, get their locker assignments in the clubhouse, and very importantly, they'll get their host families as well for those players who will be here all summer that need them. We can always use more host families, and uh, if you're interested in that, uh, just give us an email at paints at bright.net. VA is hosting district finals for the first three days this week, so no practice can take place Tuesday night after the players come in and get all their stuff but they will practice Wednesday morning ahead of the season opener on Thursday. So it'll be fun to see the players get in, get the paints gear on for the first time and play as a team for the first time. Really always uh, look forward to that day as we get ready for the season on Thursday. Speaking of the season opener, it'll be the debut of new paints field manager, John Penn. He's a Chillicothe native and I had a fantastic chat with him just a few days ago. I hope you enjoy it. John, thanks for uh, taking the time to chat with us here today. Yeah, absolutely. I appreciate the opportunity, and I feel like i got to say this. Horsing Around is a perfect name for this podcast. I think we have to give my wife a little bit of credit. We were, we were actually, a couple years ago, driving home from the Baseball Hall of Fame in Cooperstown, and she's a big podcast listener, and she's like, you've got to do a paints podcast and, and jump in on this. And so we spent about four or five hours driving home, uh, part of that drive home, trying to come up with names. And, and we have Chief Crazy Horse, the mascot. And it just seemed like it, it worked well. It might be the best named thing I've ever been a part of. It's a good one for sure. Well, we're glad to have you. Uh, obviously, you know, a new situation for you and a new situation for the paints. Not often do we get a new field manager and... It's not necessarily the situation around college summer baseball. You get a lot of turnover, not only in players, but in coaching staff. But it's it's a little bit different in Chillicothe. Things are a little bit different here than they are at a lot of places, a lot of tradition, a lot of history. And you're familiar with a lot of that because you're from Chillicothe. You went to high school at Zane Trace, I believe a 2010 graduate. So you understand what the paints mean to the community and to a lot of people in Chillicothe, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I remember when the field was grass and dirt. Um, and, uh, when I was in college, um, you know, we would come back and play to our, our, the, uh, NCAC tournament was played there in Chillicothe. So we came back, we played in that. Uh, I remember being a really young kid and going to the paints camps they used to have in the summer. Uh, my grandfather was a Shriner. I remember the Shriner dinner at the paints game. Um, so it, it is very, um, full circle, right? That I, I, my baseball career started in Chillicothe. Uh, you know, I played little league there in green township and then now being able to come back and, and being the field manager for the paints, like you said, it's, uh, it's, 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 uh, very unique. Does that give you a little bit of extra pressure versus maybe if you're walking in and, and didn't have any idea of the kind of the scope of the paints? You know, I, uh, the people that know me or listen to this, I had enough pressure myself anyways. Um, <laughs> but there is some added, right? Like I, I want to come in and I want to do well, not just because I hate losing, but because I know what it means to the community. And I know how much, um, 
support there is in the city of Chillicothe and, and the surrounding cities of the paints and and how long they've they've been around and the, the transitions they've made. So yeah, there is some added pressure of, you know, I gotta come especially, you know, coming off of a, a league championship. Hey, you guys are league champions. Now you gotta come in, you're from there. If you don't do well, what's that look like? There's been a lot of conversations in my house of of what that's going to look like and how do I handle the success and failure, right? Because it's baseball and it's going to happen. We're going to lose games and trying to figure out how to handle that being a first time head coach. Um, So yeah, there's definitely some added pressure. I'm I'm trying to do things I can now to release some of those pressure, but um, you know, I always want to come in and do well no matter where I'm at. Uh, Did, Did you go to any paints games growing up or when you were in high school? I think you've moved around a little bit, right? Uh, no. So I born and bred, I was born at Adena. Um, I grew up in Kingston until 2000 and I moved out to, uh, Metzger village there, right close to uh, great seal state park. And, and, uh, my parents still live there. That's actually where I'll be staying in the summer. Um, so, but yeah, I remember going to a lot of the paints games. Um, and it's funny through the coaching world, uh, I've met Brian Tolberg who yeah. played, for the paints when they are frontier league. Um, and he's, he's a buddy of mine now through some of the things we've done together. And, um, but yeah, I remember, I remember playing on that playground and playing handball behind the stands there up the (laughs) the first baseline when I was a kid, you know, I I remember doing all of those things. So, uh, yeah, I spent probably a lot and you know, my parents live close enough that you can hear the fireworks go off. Um, so it's, I've got a lot of memories there in, in Chilcotty and with the paint stadium. Brian Tolberg, uh, I don't think I have to explain to anybody listening who that guy is. Uh, maybe one of the most famous uh, Paints players, maybe one of the most famous from the Frontier League days, and a guy who played uh, a nice little career in Major League Baseball as well. I think Brian Wickline, my boss, uh, part you know, one of the owners who kind of manages the day-to-day and does all the, the important stuff uh, from a business side, yeah, I think he reached out to to Tolberg after you got hired and was like, "Who's who's John Penn? Like, what can we expect here?" And Tolberg was like, "Oh, great guy. He's he's going to be a good hire for you guys. So you come highly recommended." Well, good. I hope I don't disappoint. <laughs> uh, you know, you mentioned that you went to Wabash College and obviously the NC the NCAC tournament that we still host at VA Memorial Stadium. You, you kind of got a chance to play at uh, VA Memorial Stadium there. You mentioned that you played some regionals, I think, there with uh, Zane Trey. So obviously familiar uh, with that stadium. But since graduating at Wabash, you've had a couple of stops in your coaching career. Can you just kind of walk us through where all you've been so far? Yeah, absolutely. So I um, started my coaching career as a graduate assistant at Bluffton University. Um, under James Grandy. I graduated from Wabash in 2014, jumped straight into coaching um, there and spent two years there. Uh, I think my first year, we missed the conference term by half a game, as close as we'd ever been. Um, and now they've, they've been in a couple years in a row. In fact, they, they just won their first week and last weekend. Uh, and so they, they go down to Kentucky and start round two the, of the HGAC tournament, which uh, is pretty cool for them and pretty cool for Coach Grandy. Um, from there, when I graduated in 2016 with my master's degree, I made a pit stop at Iowa Western Community College in Council Bluffs, Iowa for two years, helped take a team to the College World Series. Um, from there, went to, um, Old Dominion University under Chris Finwood, 
um, was the volunteer there for two years. And then when COVID happened, um, had to make some changes. And now I am over at uh, Brian Stratton Community College in Virginia Beach, Virginia, which is funny. So there's a lot of different branches of, of Brian Stratton, and one of them is in Ohio as well. Uh, but I'm at the one that's in Virginia Beach, Virginia. I mean, I think if you could pick between Ohio and Virginia Beach, I, I think you probably picked the right one, right? Uh, yeah, you know, we, we say that yesterday it was cold and rainy, and today it's uh, going to be up to 82. It's just one of those settings. Uh, I prefer the mountains, which is different than most people, but growing up there in Chillicothe, I think a lot of people understand that. Yeah, absolutely. How did you end up back in Chillicothe to be the field manager? You know, How did that opportunity come about? Did you just get a phone call one day from Brian Menino, or was uh, Tolberg involved? So I actually got a call from Drew Erie, who okay, yeah, used former to coach player. the Paints. Yeah, and um, he called me in November and said that um, he got a call saying that, that Menino was looking for a guy to, to be the coach, and he goes, I got the perfect guy for you. He's from the, the city. I met Drew uh, through the camp circuit. Uh, we worked at Vanderbilt camp together. Um, and then so I got a call from Brian in January, February. Um, and uh, not to say it kind of fell on my lap, but the doors just kind of opened. And, um, you know, I was gracious enough to, to be able to step through those doors. Um, you know, my, my family here in Virginia Beach is making a sacrifice for me. And I, I, I don't know if I'd be able to get off this this uh, podcast before I say, you know, thank you to Allison and the sacrifices she's making this summer to allow me to come up there and, and chase a dream. You know, I listened to your podcast last week uh, with um, Brian Bigham and, and listened to him talk about how it is kind of a dream job. And it is being a kid who grew up in Chillicothe to get a phone call asking if that's something I'd be interested in. It was kind of like the, Oh, absolutely. Like that's, uh, you know, it's, it's really special. And, um, like I said, that the doors were open for me through the relationships I'd made in this business. And I'm very gracious to those people who were willing to put their name out there, the Dreers of the world, the, the Tolbergs of the world, um, that are, are putting their faith in me to come up there and do a good job for, for Chilcothe and the Paints organization. That's a nice lesson in there somewhere, too, about just the benefits of meeting people and networking with people, not just in baseball, but but just in, in any area of life, right? Oh, absolutely. You know, it's, uh, anymore, it's not what you know, it's who you know. And, um, you know, I, I tell all of our, our current players, man, never burn a bridge, never, uh, do anything that's going to come back because you, you literally never know who you may need in the future. Um, and so we talk, I talk to our guys about that all the time. And, you know, uh, my story is really special. I, I, when I graduated from Bluffton in 2016, I applied for 64 coaching jobs. Um, whether it's through ABCA or NCAA market or, or all of the, the job sites you could think of, I didn't get a single callback, not one. Um, and I went down and worked at Vanderbilt camp and I asked Corbin, one, Tim Corbin one night, like, Hey Corbin, can, can I just pick your ear a little bit? You know, he played at Ohio Wesleyan, which is in the NCAC was a division three guy. So I just want to pick your brain about, you know, what, what you did, how you got to where you are. And so we spent uh, two and a half hours on a Wednesday night, just, talking and, and sharing experiences and uh, you know, I was raised to, to write thank you letters and things like that when, when people do things for you that aren't necessarily uh, something that they need to do and so I wrote him a thank you letter and um, you know six days later I got a text from him saying appreciate the letter and that Mark Reardon at Iowa Western is going to call me uh, and so Mark hired me based off of the recommendation that Tim Corbin and Blake Allen who's the head coach at DePaul University 
um, that he hired me based off of their recommendations. And, you know, it's just one of those things, like my whole baseball career, honestly, has been a lot of, I've been in the right place at the right time and knew the right people that have been willing to give me an opportunity. And then obviously I go in and, and, and work and, and deserve the opportunity, but it's been a lot of those doors open and I'm in the right place at the right time, knowing the right people. Yeah. I mean, it's, it's, it's crazy how, especially in a small world like baseball, we think about all the colleges and all the teams and there, there are a lot, but everybody seems to know everybody and you almost need somebody to vouch for you to be able to open that door for you. 100%. 100%. So I want to jump back to your uh, your undergrad here. You got a degree in rhetoric. What exactly does that mean? <laughs> well, the official definition is uh, the available means of persuasion in each particular case. Um, and that's Aristotle. The layman's terms is communication. Sure. Um, when I went to college, uh, like everybody else, I had wanted to do something else before I found out what I was going to do. Um, I was going to go to law school and I wanted to be a sports agent. Um, and I got to the end of my junior year and I said, I'm so tired of school. I don't want to do any more school. So I kind of put being a sports agent and going to law school in the back burner and, and coach Stevens, who was the head coach at Wallabash at the time. Um, I was, he was hitting fungos, I was slipping in baseballs and we're just kind of having a conversation and I go, coach, why don't we play this guy at first? And he stopped what he was doing. I remember this, very plain. He stopped what he was doing. He looked at me dead in the eye, and it was one of those like, uh, I probably said something I shouldn't have. <laughs> and he goes, "Did you ever think about being a coach?" I went, "No." Well, that's when he started telling me about you know these things called graduate assistants, where they get a master's degree and they get to coach, and it's it's paid for through the work you're doing. I never really thought of that. Um, and he goes, "Well, I know Bluffton University's." Their GA is, is about to graduate. They'll be looking for a guy because I think it'd be a really good fit for you. And so he put me in touch with Coach Grandy, um, and then you know, the rest is history. But it, it's uh, it's one of those things. It's it from um, that time going forward. I just dropped what I wanted to study and just kind of fell in love with being a coach and being on the field and being hands on with the guys. And I never looked back. It's funny to hear guys talk about how coaching found them versus kind of them pursuing that from the outset. I, I think that those are probably the the situations that you would rather have with a coach. It's something that you enjoy. I don't think anybody does coaching at any level without really having a passion for it. You know, what what was it once you talked to him about that, about, you know, maybe maybe this is something that I'd be interested in. What what is it that keeps you engaged and energized to continue being a coach? Uh, you know, I, I created my why when I was a GA. Um, and, and I think that is what has continued to drive me. And, you know, I, I love the game of baseball. I love what it teaches and I love what being a coach allows me to do. It allows me to take at the time, really young men, right? Boys, almost 17, 18, 19 years old and turn them into good husbands, great fathers and, and effective members of society. Um, you know, there is no, in my opinion, I was a two-sport athlete in college. I wrestled and played baseball, and I, I love wrestling. I, I love watching wrestling. But baseball, to me, teaches you so much about how to handle adversity and how to deal with things when they don't go your way and when you're struggling and when you think you've plateaued and, and being able to walk guys through those emotional, mental blockages 
to get them through what's next for them, I don't think there's anything better. And, and being able to use that to create good husbands and good fathers, that's, that's what really drives me to do what I do and, and getting to use a game to do it. There's no better way because yeah, I can do a lot of other things and, and, and do those things too. But for me, baseball opens up some vulnerability because it, at some point, you know, when you're struggling offensively, I can't hit, I can't hit, I can't hit coach. I'll try anything at this moment. Boom. I got you. Now you're malleable. Now I can mold you. Now I can bend you. Now you start having success. Now you want more. Now there's trust. And now no matter what I say, you're going to believe it because you trust me and you know, I'm going to do what's in your best interest. And I think it's that piece, right? That, that I get to mold you and, and form you into who you're going to be using a child's game. I, I think that's what has continued to drive me and, and do this as long as I have been so far and through the, the ups and downs and the, the volunteer hours and the, the uh, long road trips. I think that's what's really pushed me through this point. Well, you may get a lot of that because I don't know if this is your first trip into summer ball and we can talk about that in a moment, but you know, it's not uncommon for a guy to come in who was a, a first team all league and maybe an all American in their, their division in the NCAA and hit 415 or whatever during the regular season, they get into summer ball and, they play six days a week and, and you got a wooden bat and everybody on the mound is pretty darn good too. And all of a sudden you're hitting, you know, two fifteen and and striking out a lot more than you're used to, and that adversity really comes in. Is that kind of as you were talking there, it sounds like that as a coach is kind of where you want to live. Is is you you obviously want to have success and you want your guys to have success, but when you have those teachable moments, that that's maybe the the sweet spot for you. Oh, absolutely. This is going to sound awful because I, I, I hate losing, but I want guys to fail. Um, you know, I want to see their, cause your character shines when you're struggling, right? If, if you're going Oh, for four with four strikeouts, but you're still the first guy at the dugout to high five your teammates, or you're still on the fence cheering on your, your guy in the, in, on the mound, or if you're a, a starting pitcher and you get shelled, you give up six in the first and you come in and you pout, Right there's a character there, sure. and there's an adjustment, and that those are those are the teaching moments that I thrive in because I will choose that guy that's 0 for four, but still cheering on his teammates over the guy that that comes in and pouts because he doesn't throw very well. Um, you know, at our level, at the college level, when you go recruiting, if I'm going to a game, I know that kid's good enough to play for us. I want to see how he handles being a teammate when he's failing how he handles struggling if he's not in the lineup. What is, what is he doing? How is he still being an, an effective member to the organization when he's not performing? Cause it's easy to be happy when you're going three for four with two doubles or, you know, you give up six shutout innings, no hit. It's easy to be happy and, and, and joyful and go getter about your team in that moment. But can you do it when you aren't being successful? And those are the moments that I think I really thrive because I did not have a very successful college career. Uh, I think I threw like 19 innings in my college career and 18 of those were as a senior. Um, so I spent three years kind of living in that. Okay. What do I need to do to get better? How can I handle this? But how can I still be useful to my team? What does my team need me to be throughout this, this process? And, and I think that's, that's probably why I thrive in that, um, that mantra of, I, I want you to fail. Because only when you fail are you going to ask for help and, and be vulnerable and be open enough 
to change and, and then you're going to get better, right? No one asks for help when you're hitting 600. <laughs> yeah. Uh, coach, I got it. I, I don't need you. I don't need what you're telling me. I, I, I'm, I'm, I'm doing fine just as I am. Okay. Well, when it catches up to you, I'm, I'm still going to be here. Yeah. You have worked a lot with catchers in a couple of your coaching stops and you know, from a pit, you get guys who are pitchers, you get guys who are catchers, uh, and have worked with both. And because you're on the mound or you're behind the plate and you're, you're really actively involved in the strategy, how much does that help when you're in the dugout and managing or, or being the head coach of a team and kind of deciding where you need to go throughout a game? Um, you know, I, I think a lot, right? Because I, I was a pitcher in college, so I've, I definitely have a lot of feel for when guys are getting tired and, and that kind of thing. And, I, and now I've invested my entire career into behind the plate and, and what that looks like. I've been very fortunate to be around some really good game managers and, and Mark Raritan at Iowa Western and Chris Benwood at Old Dominion and being able to learn and watch and see how they manage a game, I think has really set me up for success for this summer and what comes next for my career. Um, you know, I think it's always hard, right? You always want to keep a guy in for one more inning or, or how you, know, this might be the bat that gets him out of the slump or, but, you know, being able to take a step back and look at the big picture is something that I've learned over the last seven years. And I think it's really going to help uh, us as we get into, you know, starting next week and, and into that late June, early July, when guys start getting tired, like, Hey man, I, I, I can see that you're really, you're really dragging that you need not just one day, you need two days or, Hey, you know, I, this guy threw 70 pitches last week, you know, he's at 65. He's starting to get some big misses. We're trying to go in. He's missing away. I think, Hey, this is the time to go. The, the things I'm aware of now from being behind the curtain of the coaching side of things, I think is really going to help. And because I've, I've specialized, I put that in air quotes, uh, as a pitcher and, and as a, as a catching coach, uh, I think it really helps me manage the game and the, and the flow of, of the rhythm of what's going on in the field. Just being a coach and, you know, obviously it kind of ramps it up a notch that you've worked a lot with catchers. I don't think the casual baseball fan really understands how important that position is to a team on a, on a day in day out basis, especially as the level goes up. Are you able to put that into words at all? Uh, oh man. Um, you know, I name one team who's ever won anything that didn't have one solid dude behind the plate. Um, and you can't, right. He's, um, he's not the quarterback, right. You know, I, sure. I, a lot of people relate, relate the catcher to the court. I don't think he's the quarterback, right. That to me, that the quarterback doesn't like getting hit. The quarterback slides to me, the catchers are the linebackers, right. I'm going to get in your face. I'm going to sacrifice my body for the team, but I'm also going to direct you and shove you and push you where you're supposed to be and where you need to be. Um, you know, I don't think you can really put a value on a quality catcher, right? When the Giants were going through their, their runs there in, in 12, 14, and 16, or 10, 12, and 14, whatever the every other year yeah. was, Buster Posey was behind the plate for 140 of 162 games. Um, when you're talking about local, when you look back at the, the big red machine, Johnny Bench caught every game. Um, you know, I, and now you look at the Reds now, they've got a two-time gold glove winner behind the plate. And so I don't think that, that you can really put a, a 
number or a value on the importance of, of a good catcher in any organization. Yeah. It's, it's being able to call pitches and understanding, you know, where you're at defensively and picking up on little things here and there that you can relay to your teammates and, you know, and maybe even undervalued a little bit is how well you are at receiving a pitch and whether you can get the borderline strike because you, you know, you framed it a little bit better than the next guy, or, you know, maybe, you know, you're able to receive it in a way that you can throw a guy out where somebody else doesn't, you know, trying to steal. It's just, there's so many little things involved. I think it's fascinating to hear coaches and, and high level catchers just talk about the position and, how much impact it has yeah. on the game. Yeah, I think the thing that I really push forward with our guys and that I'll push forward with the paints is the, and not even just from a defensive standpoint, but from an offensive standpoint, but the, but the importance of 90 feet. Um, you know, so defensively, I talk to the catchers all the time about saving bases. Uh, and for those listening, what I mean by that is if it's an 0-2 pitch and there's a runner on first base and my pitcher needs to, to spike a breaking ball, if my if the catcher can block it, and the guy not advance a base, he saved a base, right? I've, I've I've watched a lot of games lost because the catcher gets a pass ball or, or the wild pitch gets away from the catcher. Now the guy's at second base. Now a base hits it right. Now he scores. Now you lose the game. Um, you know, I, I talk about that from an offensive standpoint too. You know, you got your offense, you got your defense. Um, you know, but in football, special teams wins and loses your games. Well, special teams is base running for us. Uh, if a guy is on first base and he hits a, and, uh, big guy at the plate hits a base hit in the left center, the guy's going first to third, the guy out of the box needs to be sprinting because he needs to be able to get to second because there's a big difference between second and third no outs and first and third no outs. Oh, yeah. Uh, and so that, the importance of 90 feet is, is something I preach to the catchers. Um, because the, the pitchers need to have confidence that they can throw a ball in the dirt and that you're going to save them a base. Um, there's a lot less stress pitching with the guy at first than pitching with the guy at second. Uh, and so that, that concept of how many bases can you save? Can you save 10 bases today? Can you, and that's something I always take into when I talk with catchers or I talk with catching camps or at clinics, like guys, it's, and it's not about, you know, can I just save a base when it's important? Can you block in the bullpen, you know, at, at VA Memorial stadium, the bullpens are on the field, right? The pitcher overthrows the catcher. It's coming down. You're stopping play. <laughs> yep. Right? Can you not let a ball get past you all summer? Can you save bases in the bullpen? Because if you can do it in the bullpen, you can do it in the game. But if you're picking balls in the bullpen, going, "Oh, coach, I'll do it in the game," and then you don't, well, now I'm going to get frustrated and I'm going to yell because you aren't you aren't taking your bullpen work seriously. You aren't taking the warm up pitches between innings seriously because blocking that pitch, find a way to get a glove on it when it's in the right handed batter's box, may save you a game. And that game may win you the championship. Yeah. And in the line of being above or below, I guess, so to speak, in the prospect league, oftentimes is is so, so thin. You know, there are years, every year it seems like there's a team that wins, you know, near 40 games, if not 40 games, and there's a team that wins 20 games. And the difference is so small. And it's it sounds easy, right? It's you know, if you can take the extra base and keep the other team from taking the extra base, like you were talking about, and you know, if you do this little thing and that little thing, there's there's such small little details, and the the quality of play in the prospect league is so good. But the teams that are on top do all those little things, and the teams that are on the bottom are typically the ones that that miss a few of those throughout a game. So, I, it's so hard, I guess, 
it's your job is to <laughs> get guys to do that for, for 60 games out of what, 68, 69 days. Yeah. You know, and that, you and I were talking last week about, you know, one of the hardest things to do is get a bunch of guys to come together and play that haven't played together for long. You know, most of the guys are getting in town this weekend or early this week. We start Thursday. Uh, so we may get one practice, make it two practice for these guys to get to know each other before it's, Hey, we got game one. And so how can we get guys to, to, to run the bases for each other? How can we get guys to, to lay out for baseballs for each other is a challenge. And I, I heard Brian talk about that last week too. Like, you know, how getting these guys to play together is probably the biggest challenge of mine, uh, on such a short period of time. And, you know what the prospect league is doing where you've got your first half winner and your second half winner make it to the postseason, I think makes it a little easier. Um, but being in a town that wins all the time, you come out and, and you go, Oh, and 10. Well, okay. Did we hire the right guy? Um, so trying to find a way to get the, the, the athletes to work together right away is, is the challenge. I spent a lot of nights and, and days thinking over what we're going to do, how we're going to do it. And um, the faster we can get them to, do that i think the faster they'll buy into run the bases harder for each other and and picking up their teammates and that kind of thing but i think the more success we'll have right away and and anybody knows you know if you have success early you're going to have success late because you learn how to win and i think it's probably the, one of the other big challenge of these guys don't know how to win together sure you know they come from winning programs but they don't know how to win together and that's another challenge that we're going to have to face right away and you know last, two years ago starting two and seven losing a bunch of close games like they found a way to win together, and that's why they end up winning a championship. You know, if you start 0-10, I'm going to be hearing more of those questions than you are because I have to walk <laughs> through the crowd to get to the press box. So <laughs> that may roll, that may roll uh, yeah. downhill a little bit when we, when we get on a bus for a road trip. <laughs> yeah, that's fine. I, I, everything has to, right? The buck's got to stop with me. So. <laughs> You know, you, you talked about some of those uh, unique challenges of, of summer ball where guys show up, you know, a few days before the season starts. And in some cases, and especially this year, it may be a week or <laughs> two weeks into the season because, you know, COVID continues to wreak havoc on things. And one of those things this year is that Division One baseball's regular season runs through May 31st. Our season starts May 27th. So, uh, there are a lot of guys that aren't going to be here opening day that are on the regular roster, and you'll have a bunch of players who are temporary players kind of filling those holes for those guys who can't be here. Does it change at all what you're trying to do at the start of the season, or is it just, you know, who, no matter who's here, we, we have the same philosophy, and we're going to try to do the same things to be successful? Yeah, I, I think you, you nailed it on the head right there. I think it doesn't matter if... Um, we've got all of our guys opening day, or if we've got none of our guys opening day, the philosophy, the culture of what the paints are and who they are and what they do the right way. I don't think that ever changes. Um, you know, I, I think what happens is as our guys start trickling in, as their season starts to end, I think we just get to, it's like throwing gasoline on the fire, all right? The fire's already lit. It, it lights on, on the 27th. Um, and then we start bringing in the guys that, that we're really looking forward to having. Um, and then that's when the gasoline gets going and then we get to start exploding and going from there. Um, yeah, I think, because I don't think you can change. You can't be like, okay, Hey, listen, I know we just, we've got a bunch of temp guys here. So let's just go out there and, and, and let's just try to do this. No, we're, the paints are going to play baseball one way. Um, and it doesn't matter who's in that paint uniform, they're going to play it that way because they've played it that way for years. 
uh, for 28 years, the Paints have played baseball a certain way, and that's how we're going to play it. Um, it doesn't matter who's in the lineup. Right, like the culture is already set, so when those other guys show up, they're you know you're you're being brought right into that, and you can. I think it probably makes the transition easier too, right? Yeah, absolutely. That way, uh, I think right now we've got we might have seven or eight. Uh, I don't know. There's still some more that we might trickle in here <laughs> yeah. and there, um, but but so those those eight, right? Let's just say eight. So those eight already know what the precedent is. They already know what the standard is. When the other guys come in, those eight get to help continue the standard. Like, hey, this is this is how we do things. This is the way we do things, and they can help, right? I think <clears throat> that's what's always tough with a new coach um, anywhere is you're coming in and you're you're trying to set a standard and and you know if if you're at a four year school you've got three other years of kids with a different standard than yours and so how do you mold and how do you mesh and and uh, you know I, I think what's for, what's fortunate and disfortunate for us right we we returned two guys from that 2019 yeah. championship team <clears throat> and they are what you say 654 days removed from um, playing in a paint uniform so there's not as much um, that'll 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 carry over. Um, but there's a lot that I want to carry over because there's been success. Uh, you know, the, the, what Brian did and, and what you guys have done is, has been astounding. And, and I hope to come in and help carry on that legacy of what the Chilcotty paints are and, and what they do. And, um, like I said, fortunate for us, we, we get a bunch of fresh new faces to help, um, kind of continue that legacy. What, what kind of team in an ideal world do you like to have in terms of style of play? Is it a fast team? Is it a, a power hitting team, obviously all of those, but which, you know, what's, what's the style of play that, that you enjoy? Yeah, all the above. Um, I'll tell you what really makes me happy um, is watching guys fly around the field, um, diving for balls, sacrificing their body. Right. I, I tell everybody that because I wrestled in college, I'm, my mentality is really different than most baseball guys. I'm crazy. Um, I love, no, I tell you what really gets me excited is watching a kid get hit by a pitch <laughs> from the offensive standpoint. Um, that fires me up because it's selfless. I'm selflessly risking my body for the betterment of the team. I did a stat this year with Brian Stratton and, uh, every time we got out of the way of a pitch, a pitch that should have hit us. I started keeping a stat. Okay. Did this guy get on base? One out of 10 times when a guy should have got hit, did that guy get on base either by a hit or by a walk later in the bat? You know, the, the name of the game is baseball, but it's who can score the most runs. Yeah. I love teams that lead the country in on-base percentage and RBIs. I, I don't care if I've got a bunch of guys that hit 200, but if we if they all have 60 RBIs, we're winning a lot of games. Um, you know, I, I, a guy at third base less than two outs, I don't need a – a home run or a sack fly, a routine ground ball to second base scores that guy 100% of the time when the infield's back. Do that. Um, being able to really situationally hit something I really love because, again, if there's a guy at second base with no outs and it's my job to move him to third base so the next guy can get him in, now we're up one nothing. Well, okay, now our pitcher can go and they can pitch with the lead and they can get ahead early and they can, they can dominate their fastball and they can pitch backwards. They can do whatever each pitcher needs to do for them to be successful. But to me, it starts defensively and offensively hey i'm going to sell myself out physically for my team to to get to hit and then when a pitch comes in my box i'm gonna i'm gonna wear it i'm gonna let it hit me so that i can get on base so my team can do what it needs to do to be successful um 
those are, and anyone that's played for me will, will reiterate that. I love watching guys get hit by pitches. I hate when guys get out of way of pitches. I think that's really selfish. Um, and I know at the big league level, it's different, right? Your livelihood's on the line. If you get hit in the ribs and you're out for two weeks and you lose your starting role, well, you, now you're in triple A. It's different. At the college level, it's not. Wear a pitch, get on base, and now let's wreak some havoc. Let's run the bases really hard. Let's do those kinds of things. I think I'm ready to go take 95 to the ribs right now. <laughs> uh, I, hope our, I hope our guys listen to this and they're willing to do the same. You know, it's funny that you were, we kind of brought that up. That you know, that one of the main goals in summer ball for players and coaches, uh, college coaches, is development. the The whole idea is for them to go back to school, better baseball players, better teammates, all of the above than they were when they first you know came to Chillicothe or wherever it is they play summer ball. But obviously, we all want to win too. And I know the Paints have always put a premium on winning. The fans are into it. They understand what's happening. They want to win as well. You know, how, how do you balance the two, or does it kind of take care of itself if you bring the right people in because you know baseball players are competitive? Nobody wants to go out and lose. Yeah, absolutely, right? If, if, and that's the one thing that's nice about the paints, right? And it's different than maybe some of these colleges or, or, or even at the high school level, right? If you're playing for the paints, you want to be here. Um, because if you don't want to be here, you're, you're not going to come to Chillicothe, Ohio, right? A lot of times when, oh, where are you from? Oh, I'm from Southern Ohio. Well, we're at about an hour south of Columbus. Well, what's the city? Chillicothe. Oh yeah. I've never heard of it. Right. I get a lot of that. <laughs> yep, yep. Uh, which again, I get it, right? Like when you think of Ohio, you think of Cincinnati, Cleveland, Columbus, you may trickle in some Dayton and Toledo, but no one really thinks of Chillicothe unless you're from Chillicothe. Um, and, uh, you know, so I, I think, um, that if you are with the paints, you want to be there. And so I don't think they'll, I don't, and I, I'm, I'm an aggressive person. I am, I, I'm, I'm going to yell. I, I do. Um, so, but I don't think it's going to have to be as much because the guys are going to be there and no one wants to be on the field and lose. No one likes losing. Right. No one, no one likes being the, the team that has to pack up your gear and watch the other team celebrate, especially if it's on your field yeah. and the paints carry a big target on their back because of this tradition, because of the history, because we're the, the reigning champs. Um, and that's just part of it. And if you, if that doesn't get you up every day and get you to the weight room and get you to the field, excited to go and play and, and lock it in for, for four hours, then, you know, baseball's not your sport anyway. Um, and so I think there won't ever be a, a need to spur guys on. I think as the season gets long, I think guys will need breaks because it's a long season, but, um, you know, I think a lot of that takes care of itself because you're here because you want to be. Yeah, absolutely. I uh, wanted to quickly ask you here about your assistant coach. I, I believe we've hired somebody, uh, Jackson White. Yeah. Is that correct? Yes, Jackson White uh, is currently the um, assistant coach at Volunteer State, a junior college in uh, Tennessee. Um, and like me, he comes highly recommended. Um, I spoke to some guys about him after I got the job, and they said he would do a great job and that he would really – thrive in this environment and so the couple conversations i've had with him and we've been talking a lot more here recently uh, you know I'm, I'm excited to to get him to chill coffee and and see what he can do and um you know help us win a lot of games so it's not just the players that show up and, and meet each other right before the season the coaches are kind of in that same boat sometimes too right yeah, absolutely. We've been talking about like, hey, you know, I'm getting in Sunday, Monday. I need to take you to Roosters. Uh, we need to sit down and have dinner and just 
spend some time away from the world, spend a lot of time on the field, but we need to spend some time away from the field too. And that's something that, again, some of the coaches I've worked for have been really good at that. You know, if, if I don't like who I work with, if I don't like spending time with the guy that, that I'm, I'm trusting to, to get the pitchers ready for, for games, well then it's going to be a long season. So we need to spend some time off the field too. And, and, and building that relationship, right. That at the end of the day, right. What we do and, and, this goes back to, it's not what you know, it's who you know. It's all about relationships. Life's all about relationships. Um, and so being able to build good ones here, at, you know, I may help Jackson get a job in the future. He may help me get a job in the future. Um, you know, he, uh, so being able to build those relationships with him and with the players and, and with you and the rest of the organization is something I'm really looking forward to because that's, that's what it's really all about. Well, I'm I'm fired up for the season to start. Uh, this has been a lot of fun. I appreciate uh, you taking about 45 minutes of your time here to to chat with us, and I think it's something that our fans are going to enjoy when they uh, fire up this podcast whenever you know they decide to do so. Looking forward to meeting you uh, in person when you get into town at some point next week, and looking forward to a good season. Absolutely, Jacob. I appreciate your time, and uh, you know the fans listening out there. We really look forward to seeing you on uh, the 27th and and get the season started off the right way. Big thank you to John Penn for taking time out of his busy schedule as he gets ready to come here to Chillicothe to chat with us about the upcoming season and his background. You could really hear his passion and enthusiasm for coaching and his excitement to get this season going. I know that he's looking forward to it just as much as the rest of us. I do want to remind you, though, that we are planning to do a mailbag segment on the podcast in the future. So if you have a question about the paints that you'd like me to answer on the show, just send me an email at jacob at chillicothepaints.com. I'm Jacob Wise, and I can't wait to see you at the ballpark. But remember, if you can't make it to the game, you can listen to the paints on 100.9 WXIZ in the Chillicothe area. You can also get us online at chillicothepaints.com and the free paints mobile app. I'll talk to you next week on another episode of Horsin' Around, a Chillicothe Paints baseball podcast.